Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well, hey, hey, hey there, Emily. How are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I am, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a steady incline. Good, good. Well, you look fabulous. Well, thank you. you. Yeah. um, Day of the Dead skull. Flowers on. Yeah. This is a local St. Louis designer that made this dress. Who? Uh, it's Kelly Hoffman from Refash. So oh, she's yeah. all into upcycling and she takes original garments, tears them apart, and, you know, it makes them really fancy. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> it, it absolutely looks fantastic. Anyway, so, Thank um, you. You know, it's kind of a, a, a nice, nice it's way a to sassy. spread some joy, right? Some fashion joy. And don't we, we need fashion joy, even if we're just working from home right now. It's like we got to get out of our pajamas. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I really got used to, um, Dressing for the two by four window on the Zoom. <laughs> Pajamas on the bottom yeah, and yeah. business on top. Now it's like, oh, I actually have to go out and I need to, uh, yeah. What do I, I, I put on my bottoms? <laughs> this is a bad thing. But At least you're putting on bottoms, you know? <laughs> well, if you, yeah, I mean, I have, uh, I have yet to have that problem where I have uh, forgotten my bottoms at home. I, Oops. That's not, not going to be an issue for me. And if it ever is, I think that's the first uh, sign that my children need to put me away. <laughs> it's, it's time. It's time to close sign. the door. Yeah, yeah. So we have a really great guest. Oh I mean, let's just gosh. like drive right, dive we right into do. it because you guys can hear him laughing in the in the background. And we have a great wine. And let's just we're yeah. going to uh, open it up. Introduce uh, our guest, Don Reed. Oh my gosh. Hello, Don. So, Don Reed, oh, a dream guest. Um, Not only because he's an amazing person, but, you know, as we've had a few conversations with him, how we feel like we're longtime old friends. Quite frankly, secret here. We're all in love with this guy. But hey, and you're he, not hearing he, that, Don. And he is too, right? Don is in love with himself as well. It's equal. Uh, a snap judgment extraordinaire storyteller. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a comedian, producer, writer, storyteller, uh, co-producer of Robert Townsend's Living the Shuffle. Um, you can see him on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. If you uh, if you ha- if you subscribe to that, you could watch a a, a recent series called um, Bartlett, and he <laughs> right. he plays a conflicted um, ad agency exec who oh, somehow s- becomes enlightened by sleeping in a fort. Oh, that so so. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think wow. you Somebody were like super homework on that. <laughs> yeah, but you actually were a. At, like an ad exec for NBC at one time. So is there some truth in this story? Yeah, there is some truth in the story. There's a lot of truth in the story. Um, but also I was um, channeling my uncle, who was a, a vice president of uh, McCann Erickson. I think it's not called just McCann now, but they're okay. massive globally. And he was yeah. a vice president. And he worked nice. his way up to VP during the 
mid sixties to the seventies to the eighties. Um, so, so the Mad Men quite era, a, quite, mm. quite a, a move, you know. But it was a, it yeah. was very um, things were changing and shifting and moving, and I guess they were open to his ideas because he had really broad ideas. So I used some of him as well. And my uncle was okay. this, this brilliant gay man, and I, I used and adapted some of that experience into uh, the character as well. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it was fun. I've, yeah, I did my research. So I have, I want to give our listeners, um, uh, it's a little history on how, you know, we got Don Reed oh, to be yeah. on our show. So two years ago, 2018, uh, Snap Judgment was doing Snap Judgment, the Snap Judgment Live here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And my friend, um, our friend Julie, yeah. she and I went to go see the show and was perfect. It was a Sheldon. It was, we were fourth row right at the front. So um, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And then um, the storytellers, and Don was one of the storytellers, they were so kind to like, you know, pose with us afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. at the stage door. And uh, and so Julie... You didn't stalk them down afterwards? No, no, and, no okay. No, we just hung around. Like, we knew they were going to have to come out, you know. Well, we and, didn't know, like, anybody want to take pictures with us? We were like, warning it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We took a picture with you and with Glenn Washington and also with Jen Kober. We yeah. got uh, the three of you. And then, um, and you told us your Instagram, Don Reed, wow. And so I started following it. And you're like, you're kind enough to follow me back. I was like, well, that's cool. But you were following back my author name, um, Simone Richards. And then uh, like a month ago, for some reason, you liked a whole bunch of my Simone Richards posts. And I thought, oh, I wonder if Don will be on our show. Let me let me take a chance. So I slid into your DMs, <laughs> as the children say. <laughs> and uh, you, it only took you about, you know, five days to vet us, make sure we were like legit people. And uh, you said yes. And then, boom, yeah. we had a we had a great pre-meet conversation. And now I feel like we've been friends um, your whole life, our whole lives. Yeah. You know? Well, I, you guys have a nice vibration. And, and I read things on vibration. Um, but when you start saying that during the show, we're also going to drink wine, I was like, let's do that. <laughs> you had me at wine. You had me at wine. Yes, you did. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about our wine that we are oh, drinking today. Yes, and and uh, Don is joining us from L.A., right? Um, yes. Burbank, LA, out there on the West Coast. And so we were doing it via Zoom. And mm-hmm. so Don is going to share with us after we talk about our wine, the wine he's talk he's drinking tonight. Well, we found a wine that seemed appropriate for a B-side conversation. It's called All Boys. It's uh the label is the it's fourth. It's um and it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Fourth is the vineyard. It's from Sonoma County. This is their particular all boys is this particular you know, I don't know. Bottle. Bottle. <laughs> Grouping. Whatever it is. Um, I, you know, I think that we may have had some fourth before. This would be a new vintage. I'm um, I'm, I'm thinking this is pretty delicious. Yeah. Um, I, I find on the nose, I, I really want to give this some time. I think we, we just opened it and we're at it right now. Like, before, I think yeah. this could use a little time to open up because it is clear there's a lot going on. You know, on the nose, I get that oak, dense, dark 
fruit. It almost reminds me of like, you know, those black plums that you get and they're like, they look perfect. You're like, oh, that's going to be so tasty. And then they're not quite ripe yet. Like that's the aroma I'm getting from this. Ah. On the palate, I think that comes through. Tart cherry, grilled meat, black garant. I mean, you know, it's just a, this has got some stuff. Yeah. It does. It does have a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, the, the, the aroma right now is quite forward, I guess, in your in the nose. Mm-hmm. With a little bit of a like a like a sting to it. I don't know what the, is that the alcohol still I mean, trying to open it's up. It's young. This is a twenty eighteen. It's oh, Cabernet God, it's Sauvignon. Just yeah, it's just a oh, baby. God, it's just a baby. Well, um, well, I'm just looking at it. I'm going like, Oh well, Oh yeah, that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if if right now and, and please this is what came to me you know if this were a pair of panties mm-hmm. right if this bottle of wine were a pair of panties it would be like a like a suede corduroy <laughs> does it make that sound does it go <laughs> it's i think it's one of those things like when you said you know um i uh like that plum that's just yeah. not quite right, right? So you're like, oh, this suede corduroy panties will be great, but it's not just not quite right. But that's what came to me, like a brown, like, oh, uh, wow. yeah, that's not, that's what came to Thank me when I had my first God, sip. I have not had a pair of corduroy panties in my She's had repertoire. pretty much everything else. <laughs> corduroy shorts, <laughs> but not corduroy panties, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I, mean, I, think, I think that way, if you had corduroy panties underneath your corduroy shorts... Oh wow! You know you would not you would not want for heat. <laughs> <laughs> Where in, in the right winter time I'm for sure? Jumping off there. <laughs> oh, I just people to hear you coming down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> there comes Michelle. Boy, she sounds mad. <laughs> she sounds fired up. <laughs> I'm gonna just start a small blaze in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where uh, that's kind of where my mind went when I had that, my oh. first couple sips. It may change as the as the wine breathes and, right. and the conversation goes. I might change my mind, and that's my perfectly my, Those my panties might go right. Yeah, yeah, the panties might just go off, and it's like you don't need panties when you're drinking this one. <laughs> so tell us about your wine, yes. Don. Uh, my wine is called White Haven. White Haven, a uh, Marlboro. So Sauvignon Blanc, 2019 from New Zealand. And mm. I like wines. I do drink a lot of uh, Chardonnays that are on the oaky side. Buttery is mm. cool, but when it's on the oaky side, I still feel, you know, like I'm getting some bite. Uh, this yeah. wine uh, has a, a lemongrass hint that I love because I mm-hmm. love lemon. It's got a lemongrass hint in it. It also has some blend of peaches and some other things that are lower on the hint, but the finish, the clean finish, has a lemongrass dance about it. And if you wore a pair of underwear, it would be made of lemon peelings. Ooh. With a a fine, light blue silk thread um, with a, a designer named Calvin Klein attached. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. And it sounds like it smells lovely too. Like yeah. like that pair of panties is yeah. not only beautiful but smells good. Like lemongrass, it's not overly mm. uh, like pushing the lemongrass, but you can. 
Mm. Her with it. That sounds marvelous. Wow. Well, I'm so glad we're enjoying the wine part for tonight's conversation. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So, Don, you are, um, I've, 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 known you, not personally, but known of you for years uh, because of your contributions on Snap Judgment. I've been a podcast listener since before it was cool. And, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, it's so interesting to me, um, the depth of your stories and what, what I mean, what? So it's so what's curious to me is Michelle and I started this podcast because we love these vulnerable conversations. We love putting it out there and we love creating a safe space for others to do the same. Mm-hmm. And it's in conversation mode. You, you're on the snap judgment stage. You're putting it all out there yourself. Like what led you to this place where you were telling deeply personal stories about your life, your family. Um, what yeah, what transpired to put you on this stage? Well, I, I, I started by running away from it, uh, truly. I mean, uh, for those who don't know, my background is my stepfather uh, forced us to be in that religion that rhymes with to hold the sitnesses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For the cult. The ages of... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, about 11 to 16, uh, I, I went from uh, a very free lifestyle into this strict, strict, I, I used to say borderline cult, but leaning more towards cult. Mm-hmm. They, they separate you from your family completely. But I was in Jehovah's Witnesses and knocking on doors 100 hours a month, spreading oh the word. Wow. And, um, and That's a full-time job. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of and yeah. people rejecting you, and it was dangerous sometimes as well. But then eventually, uh, when I was 16, I had the guts and the juice uh, to go move in with my real father, who I didn't know was a pimp at the time. Oh More like a gosh. middleman, a madam, than an actual pimp, <laughs> but definitely all the clothing and the cape that went with How it. How do you differentiate? Did you just think he was stylish? He was way stylish. You have to realize, I, I was kind of stylish when I was younger. My stepfather moved in. We got unstylish and forgot how to dance completely. Mm-hmm. And then I moved right. back over to my father's house and I was trying to catch up. So I got all these ticks and habits. Everybody called me Blinky. I'm blinking my eyes, blink, mm-hmm. blink, 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 blink. And I'm behind on the fashion. And my older uh, half-brothers had moved over there. My, my brother, uh, Daryl, my oldest brother, and then my brother who became my sister, who transitioned. Tony. Uh, Tony. Um, and so when I moved over there, I was still wearing my Jehovah's Witness gear. Well, how's that? How about this? And they're like, no, no, that's not going to cut it. Take off uh, that tie, and you, those platforms are the wrong height because we're still supposed to be cool, but because they were Jehovah's Witnesses, they were short platforms. So they looked like mm-hmm. waffles or something. It was not good. It was not good. Wow. Um, you talk about danger, you know, with, with, with knocking on the doors, I can totally see the danger. The rejection is something that I think, you know, all salespeople in this world and business people we deal with on a daily basis. But as a child, here your life has been completely changed. You have a new a new co-parent and uh, you're being, you know, forced down this path, dealing with re- rejection a hundred 
knocks at a time is is probably uh, tricky. Do you have any particular recounts of maybe the more dangerous side of that that's been impactful? Um, yeah. Um, before I tell the most dangerous story, I just remember uh, we would often start at 5 a.m. Uh, were you by yourself what? when you did this or were you in pairs? On the corner. When, when you did... When you did a hundred hour month windows, you'd be on the corner in a neighborhood holding the magazines at five in the morning to get, I don't know, the early rush or whatever. But at that time, there were a lot of people leaving nightclubs, like after all nighters. Mm. And they're, what you doing out there with that magazine? So you got the yellers driving by. Then you got some people rolling up saying, And you're a child. Yeah. You're an innocent child. I was, you know, uh, 12, 13 at the time. Yeah. And then they said, um, hey, um, people would roll up and say, now I know y'all charge for the magazines. You got any money on you? What you you got on you? I'm like, no, no. It's only a quarter. It's only a quarter. If you want, I'll give it to you for free. Um, And then one night, my brother, who I hadn't moved in with yet, who already moved with my father, who was really fast. I'm talking about <laughs> um, <laughs> kicked out of school, expelled all kind of stuff, and already lived with my father. He was coming in from an all night party. He's like, "What you doing out here at you know six in the morning?" I'm like, "What are you doing just coming in at six in the morning?" You know. <laughs> um, but um, one weekend we're going door to door, and there was a guy. This all happened in the same day. There was a guy who was in the middle of the street sniffing out of a bag. And going, and just running up and down the street, just acting really, really, you know, out of control. That same day that that guy was doing that, um, we walked to a further block up. And these two sisters from the congregation, an older woman who's probably 40 something and a young girl who's 17, went up this long stairway to a door. They rang on the door. And a guy came out. He's being very pleasant. He said, hey, okay, it's you guys. Okay, Jehovah's Witness. Okay, hold on just one second. And he went to the back. He came back, and he had a shotgun. He put it in their face, and he said, get up. Fuck off my porch right now. And the young girl was like, ah, ah. But the older woman was so centered in the religion. She said, okay, and you have a nice day. And they walked down the stairway. And the older sister seemed to be fine, but the other girl was like, mm. and she was, the next week, she was out of the religion the next week. She was like, I'm not going back. And her mother was kind of in and out anyway. But there were yeah. literal times where people would say, you know, they write down on the piece of paper, avoid this address and this address. These people will sick dogs on you. These people will pull a gun on you. These people will call the police. It was like, you know, and you had to pay attention to those. Um, I forget the name of them, but they had these little, uh, information sheets and you would write mm-hmm. down your interaction with the house. Like they seem mildly interested. They sicked a dog on me, you know? So yeah. right. They yeah. pulled a gun. Yeah. yeah. They put right. a shotgun in my face. So well, it's just uh, the, a dangerous space. But, um, the thing I gathered when I moved over to my father's house from all the door knocking, you also had to give speeches in the congregation on a regular basis. Okay. Like every, like twice a month, you had to speak in front of the whole congregation. Um, And I was nervous about it. But the first time I did it, it went so well. 
I think that's what kept me in that I didn't move with my father sooner because I was getting kudos for, oh, you're a fine speaker. Mm. And my stepfather, who was on me about everything and but really unnecessary whippings and beatings and calling oh on your hands gosh. and knees and demeaning you and laughing at you if you made mistakes. I got something right. Mm. I did something right. And you held right. on to that. You held, held on to that. That's tight. And he's like, yeah. wow, you're really great. You're, you know, he, he, he was a BMW salesman. In fact, the first BMW salesman uh, that was black in North America. Period. Oh, wow. And he was okay. an incredible salesman. He said, you're, um, he said, I'm, I, I'm good at speaking and good at sales. He said, but this is going to be your thing. This is your thing. You need to grab onto this. And so getting that kind of congratulations from someone who's really beating your spirit down when you've had your lowest days as a young man on earth with this person and they're saying, oh, you're doing this amazing in some twisted way, it's the best thing you could ever hear. And so... Yeah, it's almost like you, well, just hearing what your stepfather did to you, it was an abusive relationship, but I mean, and by giving you just a little glory um, and and telling you that you're great on Sunday when you're giving your speeches, you almost, you know, people, it's like a little carrot, and then you, you want that carrot so badly, you'll put up with all the other abuse, the rather mm-hmm. other six and a half days out of the week. Right. Um, did that back and forth uh, kind of emotion with him affect your ability to have normal relationships with people? Um, I'm sure it did, but I had before that 11 years of hilarity, shine, okay. and super talent from my father. A okay. Congo player. My father played Congos with um, everybody from Mongo Santa Maria to Brazil 66. Oh, my um, gosh. He uh, played congas with, um, I think some people you might know, uh, 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 Hugh Masakela and people, but only in the Bay Area, only in the Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area. And people would ask him to go on tour. He's like, no, I don't really want to, but I didn't find out. This is your later. father that's the pimp? Yeah, the same father who, who was a pimp, yeah. Uh, he wasn't a pimp yet, though, at the time. He, okay. Um, he... Um, he played the. Congo he hadn't received his certification yet. <laughs> right. That? He hadn't received his certification yet he to be a pimp. He was working on that. And he my was mother still wasn't working on... for it either. Uh, at that time, so <laughs> he was still yeah. living at home. Um, but he never went on tour with them. He told my mother years later when he got offered to go on tour and play congas, and he was amazing. And I saw him play many times on the UC Berkeley campus and all over mm. the place. Um, he never uh, went with them because he never learned to read and write. And wow. he never wanted to be, my mother said he never wanted to be in a situation where he didn't look cool. And if he mm. was on tour with a big group, the Escovitos or whoever, mm. and they went to a hotel and he couldn't read the hotel bill and people found out that he couldn't read, yeah, that, that would have broken his spirit. So he just said, no, when, when, you, when you come here, I'll sit in with you guys. Oh, is he is he still living your well, father? Well, he passed in ninety five. Okay. Um, mm. But he but I had that underneath the whole thing that all got squashed. Yeah. Into knocking on doors, 
putting on a tie, reading the Bible, going to three or four mm. meetings a week, and all that pressure. And underneath that was a pressure cooker of this talent that wanted to come out. But when yeah. it first came out on the other side, it was all manufactured, impersonations, you know, just sound effects. And I started making a living off of it. Um, and so when I started making a living off of it, you know, I'm skipping, you know, going through college and being yeah, of course. Like that. But, um, Which we will revisit. Yes. But yeah. um, you started to make a living off of it. Started making a living off of it. And so there wasn't any reason for me to be authentic or be vulnerable. Okay. Um, so what got you to be the vulnerable Don Reed? You know, what you said you quit running away from it. What inspired um, you to make that transition? Well, I was working as an NBC um, uh, advertising executive and co-running the voiceover uh, promo division um, for anything voiceover, anything radio. We handled all of it. And we were, I was producing, writing, casting, sometimes voicing the spots. And this guy who I was working with uh, said, um, he read an episode of, um, of Roseanne. And he said, you know, I had to break out more, you know, I'm afraid to do stand up. So I think I might try uh, doing a one man show, which, you know, if I don't reveal too much, should be easier. Right. <laughs> and he said, um, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, uh, do a one-man show. And I had all the hookups for him. I knew these people at HBO. I'd done stand-up for years, and I hooked him up with the HBO workspace, the place to go and do it, the place to try it out, the place to develop it. Uh, I was going to call him for myself because I was going to tell them about Jehovah's Witnesses and pimps. That was never happening. And I could just go, my sound effects and be just kind of cute on stage and make my six figures and be an ad executive and hop around and like, hey, I, I've done well in life, you know. Um, but he said, um, I'm doing this one-man show. I said, what is it about? He said, it's about my Jewish parents on my back all the time about, you know, when am I going to get a career that's even more sound than advertising? Why don't I, you know, <laughs> become a doctor or a lawyer or something? He says, most, mostly about them on my back about that. He said, um, how'd you grow up? I said, I grew up in Oakland in the 70s. My stepfather was a Jehovah's Witness and my real father was a pimp. He said, you need to do a show about that. <laughs> and so <laughs> no I wrote kidding. in 1999, I wrote the one man show. But then I was afraid to do it. And it sat in a drawer for six years. What, what were you afraid of? The truth. Mm-hmm. Others knowing the truth or you dealing with speaking it? the truth out loud seven nights a week. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I was, I was afraid of, uh, ridicule uh from mm. from people from critics about oh oh wow what a what a what a bizarre you know hell life you you led um i was afraid to share the parts about my stepfather how he treated me uh right he was still alive yeah because has that been dealt with like had you had you had the conversation with your mom and him like is anybody or is that still a cloud that's over your relationship? And- I think it still affects me deeply. Mm-hmm. But there were many conversations um, along the way, including his turnaround at one point. Um, but but so I don't give away how that happened. Um, the the window of time that I was afraid to do to do it that six years that I waited, I was telling the, and I wrote it. I was telling the stories at backyard parties or mm. over glasses of 
wine with friends. Mm, and they yeah. would say, that's amazing. Won't you do that on stage? I'm like, uh, not yet, not yet, not yet. They were like, no, these are gripping and these are real. And this is authentic. And so in 2006, uh, I started going up and doing five-minute increments at a time, just little teeny five-minute increments. But I started telling people I was going to do the whole thing in a year at this theater in Hollywood. I hadn't spoken to that theater. I had no <laughs> that theater. I just knew I better start planting the seed. And the little five-minute nights were going well. And so I started shaping it together. And then one night, I set it up to do it for a night at that theater. And they offered me a five-week run that turned into five months. Oh then um, uh, an investor stepped up and took it off Broadway to New York. Wow. And the New Yorker and New York Times said, oh, I still haven't been home yet to do it for my family. <laughs> mm. um, wow. But after I got those kudos, mm-hmm. I called my mother up and said, hey, mommy, I'm going to uh, come to Oakland. I'm going to be performing. She said, oh, you're doing, doing your stand-up? Your impersonations? I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. Maybe some impersonations of y'all. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. How did she deal with that? Like, Did she ever come well, see you? Well... Yeah, we, there's layers of questions happening yeah. all at once here. You know, I, I'm I'm curious about, you know, her realizing the abuse that you were going through and if that's a part of your show. Like, how did she handle that realization? And, yeah. Well, at this point, my uh, my mother and my stepfather were divorced. So that was really helpful. Okay. And out of the religion completely. So I got yeah. 50% juice going right there, right? Yeah, and then yeah. I called her, and I knew there were some moments, there's some beats in the show. For my father, when I was a kid, he made infidelity into an amazing, fun game. <laughs> turned it into this electric game of excitement and joy. Hey, we're going over wow. to my friend's house, and there's other kids over there, and they've got candy and toys, and it's fun. And he's going in the back going, wow, wow. Oh my gosh. I don't know that, right? But then when yes. I get in the car, the fun continues. He said, Look, okay, what did we do today? I said, We went um, over this woman's house. And, and he said, No, no, no. No, we didn't. <laughs> Where did we go? Make it fun. Make up a story. I'm like, um, We went to the park. He said, That's good. That's good. He said, And why are we ain't hungry? I said, Because that, that, that lady you kissed gave us something? He said, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, why, why we ain't hungry? I said, because um, we made sandwiches and ate them at the park. He said, that's good. Let's tell her that. So we made this fun oh. game. I wasn't going home. I was betraying my mother, but I wasn't going home with like, hey, oh. it was like, I get to tell mommy the story this time. He turned it into this fun game, yeah. which was a really, really bad thing to do because it impacted me as I grew up, as I got into relationships. It was always like spinning things and twisting it into these fun stories rather than telling the truth. Mm. It also helped protect me because I didn't have to give my whole heart because I was kind of scared anyway. But I called my mother before I ever did the shows in the Bay Area. and I said, Mommy, um, I got to talk to you about something. I'm going to be doing some shows in the Bay Area. And she said, shows about what? I said, about our family. She said, what about our family? I said, everything. And I said, there's some stuff I want to tell you. And I'm thinking like, I got to tell her about the betrayal part. Cause I don't want to sit there yeah. finding out for the first time. Right. Yeah. Oh. I need to tell you. So 
I hope you're ready. I'm ready to tell you now. And she mm-hmm. said, probably something about your father taking you over his girlfriend's house as well. I was at work. <laughs> for you. And she the picnic. So much more material. I was like, ah! So, <laughs> Amazing. Came, and I thought, then she came to the shows and um, uh, people would say, hey, 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 how much of that is he making up? She's like, not what he made up is what he left out. There's so much more wow. still in there. The only time she was kind of hurt was when the, uh, the New Yorker gave me this amazing review. It's the best review I've ever received to date on, from um, a publication of that stature and pedigree. Mm. And they went into this detail that the same guy who act wrote, directed this, did all this. But as he explained the characters, he explained my mother as including his lost, sad mother. Oh, it really, really oh. bothered her. She's like, yeah. I'm not lost and sad. I kicked your father out. I kicked him out. I told him I'm not taking any more of his, his game. So yeah. I was really strong when I stood up and did that. So I make a point to, to state that in the show, mm-hmm. you know, how much, uh, how much more uh, firepower she brought to the table than um, some people take. Like, oh, how'd she put up with all that, you know? But she, right. as it did- played out, she didn't put up with it. Did you, um, I, you know, we've done our research and stalked you on Facebook and, uh, you know, YouTube. I think we have set up a YouTube playlist of all your stuff now, too, as well. Cool. But, <laughs> I'm loving this. Um, but my question is, you know, you say in one of the stories that you left and went to go live at your dad's place. Did that cause a break with your relationship with your mom at that time? Massive. Massive. And so were you like how many years it went by or did did the um, stepfather need to leave before you could have a relationship with your mom again? Um, no, um, I didn't talk to my mother for uh, at all. This is OK, because at the end, yeah, um, I was considered disfellowshipped and kicked out of the religion when I left. Right. My okay. brother went with me. He was two years younger. But to tell his story, too, is just. And my brother did it too because he's standing behind me going, I agree. No matter what yeah. I say, and that's I'm with you. Tony? I got your back. But, you and know, Tony's um, older. older. He went on his own route it would have, and had a, has had an incredible career in Paris and um, Holland. But, um, mm. but it was this, the break off um, came. And then I remember my mother, my sister sitting. At places in the house when I was packing, they couldn't even look up. My mother mm, didn't that's... even look up. She was just so broken and, and, and crying. Mm. And my um, my sister was crying as well and for trying to read one of the Jehovah's Witness books, but she was trembling. And my brother and I left, and I um, didn't call her. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I think maybe three or four years. I didn't speak at all. And one day I just showed up at her job at, um, mm. at Montgomery Wards. No, I'm sorry, at, um, at Kaiser. I was working at Montgomery Wards um, okay. at Kaiser. And she um, was in this she just- glass book security thing. She went, oh, oh my God, Donnie. Um, and I was able to tell her that I just got admitted to UCLA. So because she thought oh. when I left, I was just going to go, in fact, my stepfather, right, yeah. he drove us over to the house, to my father's house. He said, you need to know right now you ain't ever, 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 
ever going to be shit. The rest of your life, you're never going to be. Now that you're moving over with your father, with all this wild living and stuff and leaving the religion, guaranteed, you're never going to amount to anything ever. Remember I told you that, ever. And so that break made me not want to go. And my mother wasn't calling. It was part of the religion. She's not supposed to call me. My sister came over a couple more weeks, but it was a bit too wild for her. So she stopped coming too uh, on Sundays. Um, and then at one point I said, I need to go see her. And at that point, my younger brother still wouldn't go see her at all. But I saw her, told her I got into school. And then um, I saw my stepfather one day. Uh, he was driving down the street uh, in a BMW, um, one of the ones, cars he was selling. He said, hey, I want to talk to you. I said, I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to do anything with you. You have no control over me of any kind. He said, no, no, no. I want to talk to you about something. Get in the car. It's like, nope, nope. I get yeah. in the car. And he's standing to me, standing, I was standing outside the car. He's talking to me. He said, uh, no, I want, to, I want to tell you how proud of you I am. So I got yeah. in the car. He said, you know, I've been in this religion because people told me I'm supposed to be in it. And the questions you raised about miracles and how come I thought the world was supposed to end last Tuesday and all that. He said, I never asked <laughs> yeah. them. I never asked them. He said, so I think I'm going to leave the religion. And so at this Whoa. Point, my, he said, you motivated me to leave. So my stepfather left, my mother left. And right before I was heading for um, UCLA, I was waiting tables uh, at this um, restaurant. And they came into the restaurant. They said, you head off to UCLA, huh? He said, he's like, he's like, you know, I told you that you weren't going to be shit. He said, but I, I, I knew, I knew some, some good stuff was going to happen for you. And I, and I got recruited <laughs> to UCLA on a speech and debate scholarship. And it was from learning to knock on all those damn doors, getting in mm-hmm. the speech class, killing it in that speech class because I knocked on doors 100 yeah. hours a month. Yeah. Um, and the instructor going, oh, you need to be on the speech and debate team and getting on the speech and debate team and things working out better. Did you well, did you say though I have um I have some uh, uh, re- requirements I am not going to talk about religion <laughs> in this speech and debate I will not do any topics on religion <laughs> you know uh, oddly um, yeah I, I didn't I never did I, I never did talk about religion at all uh, I did talk about um, uh, poltergeist though I gave a speech on poltergeist I gave a speech oh. on dolls and how dolls impact uh, image imagery. Uh, and uh, do you have experience with poltergeists? Uh, yeah, I did. Actually, did actually did. Oh, okay. Because beyond the movie, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. Okay, and I also yeah, because I have some experience with yeah, that experience? too. By the way, okay, yeah, yeah. Just, do I need to get some sage out? <laughs> I I feel like I need to like get some holy water I, I now and like throw it over that. my back, my shoulders. Um, tell, tell me um, yours, and I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> you show me yours. I'll show you mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that just my family in general, like we've always had, I don't know, there's always been this kind of thin veil. And so um, on my mom's side. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've had, I've lived in multiple houses that were haunted. I've had, you know, my mom has as well. My grandmother did as well. Like, there's just, it's a generational thing. And um, when my mom moved into a house when I was in high school with her new husband, which there's, 
I mean, he didn't pull us into a cult, but there's some similarities in our stories. You know, like I, I too, by the way, Don ended up homeless at one point. Like, you know, it'd be kind of a fun thing to dive into a little bit. But the the house that um, we were in um, was, oh my God, so dark. It was so dark. There were unexplainable things that happened all of the time. And my mom and I saw it. Like, we're very, we see these things. And and I, actually, as an adult, I, I've worked really hard to kind of, like, put this kind of wall up because I, I kind of don't want to see it. Right. <laughs> I just don't want to, you know. And, you know, we would have things like knives standing up, you know, on their point, like in this, you know, like, just just seeing like yeah we would have things like magnets coming off the refrigerator and flying across the room we'd have furniture completely moving from one end of the room to the other you know um we would hear it and hear it it, we'd go in it would be yeah it would be moved um we had and and i would tell my friends this and nobody would believe me because who believes these stories, you know? And they would come over and nobody would stay the night. I with wouldn't me. stay the night. <laughs> I tell you right now. I'm telling you right now, I'm not um, ever going to that house. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm not going over there. <laughs> I'm not I there. mean, <laughs> it was there's layers and layers of stories. The scariest one I will share. Are you ready for it? Okay. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so for three months, I dealt with this sound of something walking down the hallway at night and opening my bedroom door. And the thing that was terrifying about it was, well, I mean, that's not terrifying <laughs> enough, right? But just the, the steps themselves, they weren't like human steps. You know, when we walked down a hallway, like, you know, there's variances in the steps and they were deliberate, heavy, pounded Like a march steps. kind of Yeah, sound? very, Whoa. very, you know, very heavy, very deliberate, equally weighted steps. My door would open, and there'd be two steps into my doorway, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm under my covers. I'm so scared, you know. And um, I would just lay there, and he, whatever it was would hang out in my room for a few minutes, and then it would clo- walk away, close the door, and walk back down the hallway. And this oh. would happen for three months. Every night. Every night. Oh. And then one night I'm laying in bed and the whole, the whole pattern happens, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so scared. And I'm laying there. And then all of a sudden I hear this grumbly sound. It's like a, like a, yeah, grumbly sound. I mean, this this just, I know it's not going to sound real for people who have not lived through this stuff, but people who have are going to be like, I've been there. So I'm laying there and I hear, and it's steadily growing. That sound is growing louder and louder and louder and louder over minutes. And then it finally says my name. Oh, oh wow. So then I open my eyes and there's this dark cloud hanging over me. It's a dark, dense completely opaque cloud with a crown of thorns and it said my name 
And I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything. And um, that lasted for a bit. I finally broke free, screamed. It disappeared. That was the most terrified I've ever been. And, um, and we did have, like, we did have... Uh, a priest come out and after that after or, that so yeah did you ever have anything else again? yes yeah so like it would did, only last for like a month did you like move your room i just i just told my mm. mom like i got a, i want a different room dolls would yeah, move by the way yeah oh uh, no it wasn't room. the mo- I mean, it wasn't the mo- it wasn't would, the room you think he would just kept finding you yeah maybe i mean when the zoom move around. interaction when we get interrupted in zoom maybe he's still following oh, you jesus please <laughs> Maybe that sound we have is actually that that spirit that's like stuck in a computer. I mean, I've never seen this on TV before, but like a spirit Mm. stuck in a computer that's following you around. No, it was terrifying. I definitely had. Yeah. I'm I'm in a good place now. I have a very happy house. You do. You do. I'm still not ever going to spend the night, though. (laughs) I'm just not. Um, But what's yours? um, Because I don't have a poltergeist story. I have just real life help. (laughs) (laughs) the the one that makes mine kind of trippy is that i was they 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 often say either you can have you're an impact or someone who has an avenue that's open to connecting Mm -hmm. with you know spirits from other world but also you're going to get a higher rate if you're studying it and i was studying uh to do research for the speech just a collegiate level competition and I had to prepare this speech and so I was finding out all the things that can explain things away so I was aware of water running wind avenues um uh buildings aging shifting I was aware of a sure. lot of the checklist that you check things off so right when things are left it gets terrifying right I can't explain it away so at one point, uh, I was I was still working on the speech, still working on the speech, and I was reading, unfortunately, the Amityville Horror at the same time. Oh God! The of that. So let's, like, <laughs> you're way, torturing yourself. Terrifying enough, right? Oh, and, wow. and and looking at how much of that could have been real, and then they were establishing how things there couldn't be explained away. And I was in the restroom on the toilet in this uh, old house. The house was probably built. I would think in the 30s, the house was built. And I was on the toilet, the door was closed. And I said, if you're real, because I've been feeling a, a spirit, like I said, I said, if mm-hmm. you're real, prove it right now. I said, I've been studying. I know what to look for. If you're real, prove it right now. And right then, an ice cold gust of <laughs> right in my face yeah. hit me. Wow. Now, I yeah. knew what to look for. I knew to look for the windows, the door. Yeah. I knew um, to look for slats uh, in the small space at the bottom of doors, ventilation. I knew everything to check, and it was not explainable. I was like, right. oh, my God. And I said, there's definitely something here. And then it made itself more present. And I was living at the time, my father, his, uh, his uh, little pimp game had gone down, 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 down. 
Ah. Uh, he was a uh, he was having a hard time taking care of the pensions for all of his <laughs> all of his staff. <laughs> he wished he'd put things into an IRA for them and the four hundred one k, but he was stuck with their pensions. The four hundred one k were gone, and they wanted that money. Oh my goodness, that is hilarious! I gotta remember that. I'm gonna have to use that sometime. All right. That's <laughs> oh, wow, that's great, Michelle. Okay, so um, uh. It was down and down, and so he he um, was with his second wife, and we were living at her mother's place. Her mother had like three properties, and we're living in this house. It was me, and I was I was okay to live there because I was in college. My older brother had to go. My brother became my sister, had to go, um, and my youngest brother already was was living however he wanted, and so the. I had to live, though, not in the house, but out of the house, down the back stairs, through the garage, into this small room. It's like three rooms in the bottom, bottom basement garage area. It was really, really dark down there. I bet. And so I've had my face blown. Mm-hmm. Cold blast of ice cold, like deep Arctic wind in my face. Mm-hmm. And now I got to go downstairs outside to my room. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said, hey, uh, you guys, uh, I got to uh, say goodnight now. Okay. <laughs> Good night. And I go down this, and I'm outside when I go downstairs. Boom, boom. And there's these old wooden crickety stairs with like yeah. broken holes. Oh. And then I got to open this door and it's not a straight shot to my room. It's like an obstacle course in the dark because the light is in that room it's washers it's dryers it's old um chest of drawers and chairs that you have to navigate through till i get to the room and to get to the light right wow so i go through the dark i get to the light i'm in the room and i'm sitting there going like wow what was that what was that just then no lie at all a big Thick one-eyed cat came to the window. <laughs> I'm not lying. Oh my I'm not god! At all. Was I, it black? No, a black no, cat? No, it was like no. um, it's like uh that that Morris 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 the cat yeah. like that cat yeah like orange with the tiger stripes. Oh and yeah. I was the voice of a cat on a different show. Long story. Two broke girls. CBS. Anyway, same kind of cat. But oh, I know that show. Cat. What's that? I know that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, um, a, uh, I mean, all the sounds every time the camera or have children or whatever, I was going, I was doing all those sounds. Anyway, the cat comes through and the cat's like buff, like he's been hitting weights or something. It's like, it's not a little house cat. It's a cat that survived free in the wild and ate other cats. Yeah. Like got it one right. eye and comes through the window and goes, Scrappy. So like, I jump on the bed and I get my back against the wall and the cat it's running back and forth. It can't get out of the room. And I didn't have a, a, a wall, so I had this curtain up. And the cat was running, going up the curtain and back down because it couldn't find the exit. And it's like, oh, my oh God. And I'm one eye and his big claw. And oh I got the Arctic thing on my mind. I'm like, why this yeah. cat come through the window running back and forth? And it ran back out. I was like. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I got to go back upstairs, but I got to get, make it through that dark obstacle. Boom, boom, 
boom, I'm bumping in the washer dryer. So I run up the back stairs, boom, and my father's in there playing cards with some friends and his wife was up there. I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? Like, okay, <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. What's that? You were like, I'm just going to sit here and watch some TV. And, and, and I <laughs> Don't started, mind me. <laughs> I started sleeping on the couch in the living room. My father's like, exactly. well, go to bed. What you doing? What you doing sleeping? I'm like, uh, I'm good here. Yeah. And then eventually they said, There's a one-eyed cat and a poltergeist in my room. Are down like, there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal for me to go downstairs. And a little after that, uh, my um, the... The father of my uh, my my step grandfather, so to speak, mm-hmm. lived there, and a little after that, um, he he passed, and um, I was going to be a chiropractor at the time. I, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I thought I was going to be a doctor, and I was doing all the pre med classes and stuff. And um, he um, he slipped under the water in the bathtub, and everybody called like, oh, Donnie, 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 like you know, I'm taking my pre-med classes and stuff like I was supposed to save them, but I, but I, I couldn't, I was pumping them and I couldn't save them. Mm. I was just doing that. And then after he passed, uh, I went out with a friend. I drank all this tangerine. I was hungover. It felt horrible and stuff. But then right after he passed, each time I went downstairs to that room, I felt fine. Like he was going to, he was his presence was there protecting me or something because I was never scared again after. Oh, how nice that that's that yeah because I could see how that process would haunt you of losing your grandfather in that way and now here he is protecting you like that is such a a sweet resolve to all of that stress. Yeah, it, it shifted it. It shifted it over. Uh, mm-hmm. Carlos Castaneda and books like that at the time, like you know, I guess it, it opened up. But that was a that was a little uh, scary moment there. Um, yeah. So I, w- I want to share with you guys my scary moments. Okay. And it was uh, it was just this past weekend, and <laughs> oh, I oh yeah, it was a uh, um, the kids, uh, the, my sons were still in Florida. They were on they were visiting their dad in Florida. And I had to go downstairs to the basement to uh, feed the cat at 6 a.m. So I flip on the light to go downstairs and I feed the cat. And as I'm walking back up the stairs to go turn off the light, I see this thing on the wall. And I don't have my glasses on and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you are an ugly fucking frog. I've never (laughs) seen a frog that looks like this. And I don't like frogs. My older brother used to chase me with frogs and put them on me and I hate frogs. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave the door. It's an ugly frog. The boys will be (laughs) home tomorrow. They can take care of the frog because I'm not going to do it. And so, you know, my day goes on and I start, I texted my, my youngest and I said, oh, by the way, when you guys get home tomorrow, there's a frog I need you to take care of. Because they would know that about their mom. My snakes <laughs> frogs you know anything anything that's like breeding it's not if it's not furry it's not allowed well yeah i mean i, will, I, I can take care of spiders though like like i will kill spiders no problem you know and bugs but the the things that might yeah i don't do that so i take i telling william about it so then i want i went to take a picture and i opened the door and i like put my phone in and i take a picture of it on the wall and i text it to him because it's an ugly frog <laughs> his response back was 
Mom, that's a bat. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> and of course, they think, it's, they think it's hilarious that I thought the frog, a bat was a frog. And so uh, <laughs> then I was like, oh, I can't have a bat in my house. And I can't wait till they come home. Uh, so I, I texted Emily. I'm like, hey, you busy? You wanna- I know, because I would have I would have <laughs> yeah, done a friendly have. catch and release system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Busy, you you want to come over and get this bat? But I had like reached out to a few. And one of my uh, friends who actually took a bat, helped me with a bat seven years ago, um, I texted him and I said, hey, remember you helped me? And he came over later that you know, dust because you can't take bats and put them out during the day because they become prey um, to other, you know, hawks and stuff like that. And so I just, I latched the basement door so the cat couldn't get down and I kept the dogs away. And I'm like, it's a bat downstairs. And uh, that was my, that was my poltergeist. That was it. And it was a real thing. So it wasn't your imagination. Oh no, it was not. It was it was a real thing, and um, I just don't I just don't do bats. And seven years ago, when I had, I had just um, it was August. It was a hot day in August, hot humid day in August, <laughs> twenty thirteen. And I'm laying on my couch watching PBS. It was a Sunday, watching <laughs> watching probably some Downton Abbey at the time. I don't know, but it was uh, I was watching PBS, and this thing just like flew down over my head, and and like. And then flew off, and I was like, oh. I got up, I screamed, and my son, who's 21 now, he's upstairs, and, and I'm screaming, he's like, what's wrong, Mom? I'm like, there's a bat in the house, and um, and I'm like, we need help, and so he went over to a neighbor who's a firefighter um, and got that fi- that firefighter <laughs> to come back, and I'm sitting on my front porch, and I have a real big picture window, so it's like I'm watching television, and at one point, the bat had had, um, had like landed and was in the corner of my dining room, just up on the crown molding, mm. and I'm on the front porch, and I'm and it's hot because it's August in St. Louis, and uh, my youngest is with me, and we're watching Jacob and uh, Mr. Zarbo chase this bat with <laughs> brooms. They're like running oh with gosh. brooms and they're swapping at it. And, uh, and then so I had all the doors open so we could like get it out because it's nighttime. And then they're like, we can't find it. And I said, well, check my bedroom. And so they went and they checked it all out and there was no bat there. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to my bedroom and I'm closing the door. William came to the bedroom too. So we just like slept there. A few days later, and I had told this story to my friend. A few friend. days later, you had the bat in your house. No, for... no, it, it was gone. I couldn't find it, oh. right? I couldn't find it. And then a few days later, I'm laying on the couch again, watching PBS again. And the thing just <laughs> swooped down over my head. I sat up. I screamed again. My son, Jacob, was like, what's wrong? I go, the bat's in the house. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> it's just like the same TV programming you did. It was like really into the Downton Abbey. No, I didn't like it. It must have, not, it must have, it must have not like been a, a anti-PBS. And then it just flew into my, um, into my bathroom and it landed on a loofah. Uh, and so Jacob just closed the door. It landed on a loofah. Then I called my neighbor and I said, hey, remember you said I could call you if I ever had a bat again in my house? I know it's 1030 at night, but can you come get it? And um, and he did. And he came with the leather gloves and and he took the bat off the loofah and then I got rid of the loofah. So I, <laughs> so, so I told I told my friend, I told um, his name is Mark. I said, so I'll see you in seven years when I have another bat. Yeah. You know? Um, 
Mm. And he was like trying to tell me like how to take care of it myself. He's like, just get some leather gloves. I'm like, no, it's not happening. I know. Okay. I mean, I I I become okay sort of it. like immobilized and paralyzed when I have a a mouse or a bat okay, so or a snake. You have to remember this, okay? Uh, Robert Townsend, just do a little homework. Yep. Find Hollywood Shuffle, his, uh-huh. his first film, um, and there's a section in there that there's uh, he's trying he's trying to make it as an actor in Hollywood. In okay. Hollywood, it's difficult because the roles are you know, all stereotypes. But there's a guy who's rich and famous in the movie, you know, mythically made up. But his, the series he's on, the half-hour hilarious series he's on, is called There's a Bat in My House. So <laughs> oh, I just so you can see okay. just that section. Okay. That's a great There's tip. a bat in my house. Thursdays on love ABC. it. Yeah, so my a friend of mine when he was redoing his house down, um, he talked about when he was uh, redoing their bedroom, uh, in his wife's bedroom, and he was t- had taken off the old plaster, and he said they just bats just started coming out of the wall, oh, and wow. he was like, what, what do you mean, it was bats, like plural? bats, bats plural. It was like he said it was like whack a mole. He's just hitting, hitting, and they're just coming, just. Out of his, Aww. so I have this That's fear so of every you know because I live my house is not as old as your house, but uh, my house is almost a hundred year hundred years old. Yeah. So um. So that's my. So I don't need a ghost. They're sweet little I don't creatures. creatures. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm if gonna, a bat ever blew ice cold in my face, you guys need to pick uh, me up off the ground. Fine. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate. Uh, I'm big on capturing stuff and letting it free. I um actually bought this um. Uh, spider catcher. It's a stem and a like a square that goes down and a sliding door. You can put it over a spider and slide it closed so you can release them free. But I don't know what I would do because I don't have a bat catcher. <laughs> or a whisperer. Bat whisperer. Yeah, I guess my friend would. I guess he would go out to LA to help yeah. out. But let's take a real quick break here yeah. and uh, get some more wine in our glasses, and uh, we will be right back in just a few moments. Michelle, I am so excited. We have a new sponsor. I know, Emily. We're thrilled to bring them on board as partners here at Clearly Speaking the Podcast. It's a great group of people. It's worry-free marketing. Uh-huh. And, you know, I discovered them many years ago when I first moved to St. Louis. I was doing a lot of independent consulting work at that time. And this company was my go-to resource whenever I knew a company needed a new website or website work. They needed help in that digital world, yeah. driving good prospects to their website through yeah. AdWords, Facebook campaigns, whatnot. They just did a great job. And I love those guys. So they're a sponsor for us and they're like our social media they're Uber partners, fans. right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, this is like a really great resource for us. I mean, you have done an incredible job with your phone and your <laughs> iPad and your laptop, you know, putting things together. But it's nice when you can have a team behind you. That's right. I mean, because things happen 
more quickly when you have a team versus trying to do it all by yourself. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's its own specialty. Marketing yeah. is such a tough thing and yeah. to do a really good job at it. I mean, I'm a visual person, right. a creative person. Yeah, you so are. I, I've, I've done the best when that I can, but you know. But, and the nice thing when you get to a point in a business and you realize, hey, I, I need to bring somebody on. If you mm-hmm. reach out to a company like Worry-Free Marketing, and then you bring them on board, you are not going to be disappointed at all with the resources, with the research, with the analysis that they give you with the strategy, you know, Um, and we are so blessed to have them on board here at Clearly Speaking the Podcast. I'm very excited about this relationship. I know. Isn't it wonderful? It's great. So they can reach Worry Free at worryfreemarketing.com. And uh, you can always yeah, click we'll make... on the link from our website, too. That's absolutely right. All right. So thank you, Worry Free. You've definitely helped us be Worry Free. And we're back. We are. Thank you very much, Emily, for uh, giving me some more wine over I here. I mean, you know, I, I'm so, you know, it used to be very, like, exact about a pour. Yeah. I'm just like, here's your big full glass. Yeah, just drink it. <laughs> 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 Just <drink> it. <laughs> I don't want to hear no complaining from I you I don't want to hear any more stories about bats. Let's yeah. just make that glass full Maybe, yeah. and you're going to be happy. I'm, I'm yeah. happy now. Absolutely. Yeah. The conversation's fantastic. Um, I literally, seriously, within the last, within the last week and a half, I've discovered that my favorite is wine. Because I'm a drinking man, oh. and I'll drink um, uh, a nice um, a bourbon on with a big block of ice, uh, or oh, yeah. a scow or a sip of tequila. Love beer. Love an ice cold beer. Oh, ice cold yeah. beer and a kiss from her is like yeah, <laughs> right. <And I> realize <laughs> my favorite thing is a glass mm. of wine. Oh, I know. It and it's good for you. Month, like a week and a half. I'm like, oh my God, that's my favorite. They said, you only get one thing. What are you getting? I'm like, I'll go with the wine. That's a pivotal awakening. It, it is. Yeah. You know, to know. And, and, yeah. And I'm 60, so it took me a long time to figure it out. <laughs> I'm amazed that you're 60 because you definitely hold your age well. I would have like... Shaved 20 years at least off that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, our audience who's listening can't see right now. But but you go to the YouTube channel. Don is doing a little little chair dance, a little happy dance. Mm -hmm. uh, um, You know, waiting for some dollars to be thrown at him. uh, (laughs) Hey, you know what? Um, um, As you guys might know, I tried to be a stripper. or, uh, no, <laughs> I missed that story. Oh, oh man. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I was going to UCLA, <laughs> and I um, I I interviewed to I, I interviewed to move into a retirement hotel. Right. To serve yes. to the elderly. I eventually did get in there and lived there for five years, but I didn't know I was in yet, and I'm still scrambling, sleeping friends' houses, sleeping. You know, at the bus stop, kind of couch surfing. The, the, you know, in the women's restroom on the couch, you were like, "Oh, I feel fantastic." I was sleeping on that couch, and uh, I saw in the classifieds back then. This is like the equivalent of, uh, I guess, what is it called Craigslist today, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And it said, seeking male strippers for a Chippendales-like review. Come on down. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so when is Chippendale-like? Um, <laughs> what exactly is the like portion of that? Exactly. <laughs> okay, it was it was nothing like Chippendales whatsoever. Not even close. You just stripped down to your your um like cargo shorts instead of like a g string. Is that what it was? Um, no, not even. Not even. It was okay. far more dramatic and terrifying than that. Uh, it's almost like a horror film. Okay, because I, I weighed like eleven pounds. Not any, <laughs> okay. I, I look like seriously a chicken bone with an afro wig balance on it that was wet. It looked like that. You can kind of put that together. Um, because to get ready, um, I just threw on some stonewashed jeans and a cool t shirt. I had my little afro, I was about to walk out. And my friend, uh, if you want to call him that T, I used to hang out at his place a lot. Uh, and if I did enough cocaine, he'd forget that I didn't have anywhere to go. Oh, okay. Might as well crash here. Might as well crash here. So we were like, you know, snore and smoke the cocaine he had. (laughs) Don't even do drugs, but I'm just doing it like, okay, might as (laughs) well. You're doing it for a sofa. Yeah. Exactly. And and he said that we got to, he walked in when I was about to head to audition. He said, oh, we got to get your head together, brother. This ain't going to do it all. Your whole outfit, no, 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 no. He's like, women like leather. Where's your leather? I'm like, uh, I don't have any. You gotta have some leather. Wait, were you wearing your corduroy pants and your corduroy <laughs> underwear again? Were you having that combo going on? Oh my <laughs> word! They were sm- light smoke gray corduroy pants. I swear, swear, swear. Smoke gray. They were so People tight. Heard you coming. Had issues with breathing. And I had a, um, <laughs> a, 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 a a blue shirt I wore with it all the time that would tuck in that you're supposed to wear with a tie. It had those holes, so you're supposed to have that, that mm. tie pin, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a tie mm-hmm. pin, so it would be loose. And the button was kind of far, so I was like, hey, you want to look at my chest here? <laughs> my little afro, <laughs> but I was skinny and blinking and weighed 11 pounds. It wasn't a good combination. Oh. But he was like, you know, get this leather going, and he put the leather pants on me. And the leather jacket matching, he said, you know, you got to get the hair straight. And I had a jerry curl that he turned it into a jerry curl. He put all this pink cream that was burning. He's like, supposed to burn. That's, that's how you know it's after me. Wow. It made my hair wow. burn and rinse it out. And it was these curls. And he puts this other emollient. It was a grease. So squeeze baby all on me. Gone down there. Catch the bus. And Oh my down. god. And let me tell you, no kidding. On the bus, it was like it was like Did people get up and like move away from you wherever you're sure. sitting? Like they're like, oh I'm gonna I yes, I I'm gonna, back of the bus is fine now. I I don't you can have this whole area. <laughs> I guess they could have, but I slid by them with the emollients so smooth. <laughs> People were people were actually like sliding out their own seats because of your excess like, oil oh, everywhere. They were going like, on the floor. You don't have any. You don't have a Jerry curl. Uh, and I remember you have enough Jerry curl for everybody. Right. right I remember reaching up. I, I remember it was like eighty something outside, but on the bus it was like one hundred and two. And I remember reaching up to ring the bell. 
Oh my god! I ring the bell and get it. I'm gonna squish him down the street. <laughs> he put because I had on a purple That's G the sound string. Of cool. He gave me, and I don't know why he had a purple G string readily available. But he flung out like yeah. But I put on a purple G string, straight baby oil, head to toe oh with hair money, and then leather on top of that. No barrier <laughs> between, no jacket, no other anything. He said, that's where they want to go. Straight. When you get in there, go straight to skin. Go straight to skin when you get up in there. Right? Oh, man. And I walked in there. Oh. People auditioning. And the guy is like, my name is Marco. I'm an ex-dancer. He's got a nice pot belly. I'm an ex-dancer. <laughs> We're going to put Chippendales out of business. Go down the list and throw out some names. Just do the best we can. You know, we don't want to use your regular name. You want a stage character. Right. Right. Yes. So we had this guy come mm-hmm. out. His first guy name was uh, Mike, and he was all muscular. I went the footsteps walking down the crowd. Right, uh, right, right. Of your little muscular Mike, your little scary poltergeist yeah. guys person. Yes. Dancing <laughs> 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 muscular. I'm 11 pounds. Oh, going. Man. I don't want to do this anymore in my head. Yeah. And this other guy came out quivering. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with TV Wonder braids and uh, uh, like a a burnt rust African loincloth doing stag jumps going, <laughs> is everybody enjoying me? Ugh. I was like, oh, God. Oh, man. And he, and so he called the first guy Thunder. He called that guy Majestic, just throwing names out. He said, okay, just throwing names out here. But let's go ahead and go with this. Don, just throwing names out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for a little chocolate. Oh, no. Says, Ooh, he wants a taste. I don't like that name at all. <laughs> we got to work on that name. <laughs> and I ripped my full name down. He's like, uh, the only person to write, most people wrote down, like Tim or Mike, Don Reed wrote down his full name. I don't know what yeah. that's all about. But anyway. With your social security number and address and, and everything. And his, and his ATM <laughs> right? number as well, you know. Everything, everything. Did you include your mother's maiden name? Did you include your mom's maiden name? Jackson, right? Jackson, um, And I danced to Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. Mm. Way too oh fast, nervous, and blinking at top speed. <laughs> and then I stripped down to the purple G-string and some white cowboy boots with red stitching that he let me borrow. Oh, and I danced well, David Bowie's Let's Dance. Wow. Oh, Undulated around, slipping <laughs> and and baby oil, but keeping the pace and keeping the movement going. Because I knew how to dance, but it was all yeah. a little too fast. And I finished and I walked down the street squishing and left a trail <laughs> snail, humiliated. God. But then a couple of days later, two messages. I was over at T's house. First message. Hey, Don, you're in the Kipling Hotel. We're going to hire you. Yeah. Move in as soon as you like. Serving breakfast of old folks. Call me back. Very mm-hmm. next message, I swear. Hey, Don, little chocolate. How you doing? <laughs> We're going to hire you to be one of the dancers, but we got a couple of Notes and suggestions for you. Uh, first of all, I want you to slow down. We don't know what's slow down. Wow, what's the hurry? You know, uh, you, need, you, 
Don, Don, you may you may have just been used to eleven seconds as their maximum time of of pleasure that you needed, but they actually wanted you to stretch it out to like three and a half minutes. Seconds. You know, so it was like you know your experience at that time of your life might have been on the on the on the on the shorter. Get in there, get out. You know, you know that was the best eleven seconds for me, babe. What about for you? How about right? you? You good? And she's, you good? Oh, you're not. Good. <laughs> you good? I promise next time. I promise next time. If you give me another, I promise. (laughs) So there was an eagerness that you you were exhibiting in your uh, dance for your audition. Now, the thing is, though, he told me about, he said, said, um, whatever you had on your body, emollients, whatever, less of that, less of that. You have the other dancers (laughs) on the stage. But the other thing is, uh, gotta come back on my It was a hazard for everybody who followed you. It's actually quite a good tactic and strategy if you're auditioning and like, you want to I'm eliminate your competition. You because you can't stand. You're like a, a fawn that was just born and had a really late thing. Um, I, um, he did tell me, though, he said, um, you got to come back on that blinking because it's going to make the ladies nervous. Uh. And you might oh. do it with one eye, oh. and then it'll look like a wink. Oh, no. But I never called him back because I got to Kipling. So that's what happened. That was a full link. Wow. Have you ever wondered, like, had you taken that stripping job, would your life trajectory have changed drastically? I mean, would you be in in a small town outside of like San Antonio, Texas now, like retired from <laughs> your <laughs> from your years on the road? Hold on, let me now ran away. What's going on here? <laughs> Well, of course, you would have been touring, right? And you would have been like, you would have gone to all of the off, like the suburbs. You wouldn't have gone to like the major cities. You go to like, like the the offshoots, and because you like that like company wouldn't have been. Well, like like a suburb of Des Moines, not even Des Moines. You would have been right? going to Peoria. You would have been going to Peoria. You'd have <laughs> gone to. You'd have been instead of going to Bloomington, you'd have gone to Normal. You know. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't even, you, instead of going to like Chicago, you'd have gone to a suburb of Joliet. I mean, right. because of this company was on, you know, um, not a Chippendale, Chippendale Light. The B train. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you would have been touring, you'd have been touring and you probably would have like landed in, you know, the outskirts of San Antonio um, and you probably would have like, you know, Fallen in love, found with, someone with the you know. with the rich matron of the town mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. would have been throwing all of her hundreds at you, <laughs> and then you and then you would have just said, "I'm here. I'm planting my my yeah. I'm planting my feet here," and you would have like yeah, just sat back, it's maybe cooked some t-ball. <laughs> no, outside San Antonio, oh, not in not, San Antonio. Not outside, the San Antonio. Okay. The San Antonio. Happen, I went back there. I went back to that same bar because the, the way the bar was set up is it was a regular strip club for women but thursday nights were women only <laughs> for men. admitted women's it was ladies night on thursday night yeah mm. they yeah. were experimenting with it didn't last but thursday nights only only women admitted with male dancers and i went back <laughs> about uh, i moved into kipling and yeah. about three years later i went back i started making some money and while I was living at the Kipling, I started doing pretty well. I was uh, started guesting on a different world and some other stuff. But yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I have some money. And I was with my friend named Dave. I, can't, I don't know if I should say his last name. Anyway, uh, my friend named Dave, 
who was like a big time partier who was going into fashion design and he had all these, the, he knew the textile of any jacket. He, let me tell you what that's made with. That has rayon. So, so he could break it down, right? And he had um, a Porsche that he wrecked very slowly one night. He, was he a, wrecked very slowly. He wrecked very okay. Because he said, he said, I was buzzed and I realized I needed to get out of the car. I couldn't stop it, so I just bumped into this wall <laughs> at a low rate of speed, but it damaged it enough that they said it would give money. It's total. And he is now a rocket scientist. No lie. Wow. Oh my God. So before he was a rocket scientist, and before I start making a regular living, I just start making some money. We were really drunk with my cousin, and we went down to the place called The Last Call, we went down there, we had chunks of money on us, and we were tipping the girls dancing, and we got a bunch of drinks. We were drunk when we headed down there. We went in there, and somehow he told them that I was a comedian, and that I would oh, do a spot between the girls. And his guys, oh. guys they come see any comedy. They came to see the girls. Are you guys still there? Yeah, we're oh, here. we're, we're here. here. Um, uh, because of my screaming black for a second. And um, I went on stage, um, super, super buzz, and I did an impersonation of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh. And I know how to turn exactly into him, the sound effects, the look, the <laughs> the whole nine. And I was cussing. And I never cussed on stage back then. I was really clean. And E.T. was like, listen, Mother, go, go, out, <laughs> Elliot, what the fuck is wrong with you, Elliot? Just like, and people are like ah, right. that's pretty funny. Ah, bring back the girls. Yeah. The girls went on stage and- you didn't so, get booed off, though. So yeah. that's the closest you ever came to actually being a stripper. Right, when I was- my ET impersonation, right. <laughs> you, were, when you, were, you were like the relief act in between the girls. Exactly. Like, yeah. get on up there. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to add one more thing to what your life would have been like had you gotten, had you, had you answered that call. You would have actually been the first um, male stripper to be a pole dancer. Oh, you right. Would, you would have started. Because you already had the slipping glide yeah, going. You would, you would have added. Pole, right? Oh, yeah, strippers use the pole. I mean, uh, in our area of the country, they use the pole. The male stripper use yeah. the pole? Oh, no, I don't know if male wow. strippers do. Yeah. I mean, I... That's why you would have been the first. You would have been the Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Yeah. It's a different stage, but it's family, still a stage. Your family would have been equally as proud of you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I got to say, I've done a grand job of private dances, though. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting short story, and, and I don't know why I'm telling this, but you guys need to know this. I don't know why. Um, uh, and, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I might have mentioned it. Okay, so I was going with this uh, gal uh, from Texas who's a super athlete. I mean, super, super athlete to where her name is engraved in the college. Like, from these years wow. to these years, okay. a person who played softball and football, whatever. And Accomplished, yes. We would have these dances. She's in the Hall of Fame. At her place by ourselves. So we'd have our wine. We're drinking Chardonnay. Uh, mm, we'd also have um, tilapia. Mm-hmm. Uh, tilapia and some mashed potatoes and some uh, asparagus. 
And after that, oh, nice. the, the dance party would start. And we played different roles. I'm supposed to come into our fake strip club as different club. characters. One night I'm a businessman. The next time I'm a rap producer. I love it. I'm a doctor who's from out of town on business. Right? And she would be this this, sounds fun, yeah. uh, supposed to be the stripper. And she'd do all these dance moves and stuff. And um, <laughs> the first time, um, who was I? Uh, the first time I was supposed to be um, a, a doctor, a businessman. And I said, um, she's like, would you like a dance? I said, no, not now, not yet, please. Um, I'm trying to look at all the girls. She's like, oh, okay. And she went over to where the tilapia was and was like leaning going like, you sure, you know what? I'm like, okay, yeah, come on. I'll pick you. I'll pick you. But one night, <laughs> we're doing it, I was supposed to be a rap producer. She said, you're a big rap producer? She said, she said rap. I'm like, um, yo, yo, <laughs> to the break of dawn. Break a break of <laughs> dawn and I yawn. And you're not a pawn. You're the queen. Uh, she's like, I guess you're a rap producer, but not a rapper. I'm like, yeah, exactly right. That's why I'm a rapper. <laughs> I said, so she said, um, you know, I want to dance for you, but I want to be, you know, careful because I have a big client. A big, big, big client is right over there across the room. This is us by ourselves. Oh, just how fun. Just role playing. playing. Across the room. Yeah. So, you know, let's be tasteful. So she's supposed to be. Doing a private dance for me, la la la, At some point, she's like, "Oh yeah," I gets into it, and now she's undulating, and things are getting hot and heavy. I'm like, "Hey, what are you doing? What about that? Where's the private room? You're supposed to be watching out for." <laughs> she's like, "Don't worry about it. He's blind." <laughs> oh, <laughs> like imaginary people were making up, and now the client can't see. I'm like, what is happening here? And we started laughing and nothing sensual happened tonight because we laughed for about 45 minutes. And that's perfect. That is the best yes and story. That is, that's, that's total. And you know what yeah. it makes me think of is like, you actually were getting trained during that time for COVID and Corona, right? <laughs> right? So now you know, like, you're like, I just, I just pull back from my history and this is what we did when we didn't have to. And now I know how. And now I know I'm, how to make. I'm prepared to I, uh, I know how to make uh, Corona. All of those things. I never yeah. told that so... story on stage. I never <laughs> told that story in an interview. I never told that story. I never told that story ever. So now. Well, so that's uh, one of the, th we should have, you should have noted that um, and that waiver we had you sign. <laughs> that, uh, we have a tendency that people just tell us things, yeah. um, you know, deep, dark secrets, hidden down mm -hmm. like for years um it must be just the way our faces are that we're yeah. like you know I just it's a safe space you guys something about the night i was role-playing as a rap producer <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some i mean we have definitely told a lot of deep dark secrets oh, yeah, on this show yeah. so we have, we have. yeah and yeah. We, we sometimes have to remember that or try not to dwell on the fact that we have an international audience and all across the globe knows all about yeah. our uh, deep, deep, dark, dark secrets. secrets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we just do yeah. that. But uh, Don, I have so enjoyed having yeah. you on the show today. And I know you said when we went to break, you'd want to come back and you want to oh. keep talking to us. And I cannot wait. I, I'm going to take you up on that offer. Oh my God. Is it over? Um, You're ending, huh? We are gonna take you up. Yeah, on yeah, because we, we we we're at we're at quite quite a lengthy conversation Wait, time right now. Thirty eight minutes, really? Yes, it has. Mm -hmm. 
That yeah, would and you know, so fast. It it's it does it does which which tells us there's there's much more to uncover here oh because gosh. we haven't we haven't talked about our homeless stories which we need to do at some I know, point. I know. I, there's I, so many. I'm going to talk about this whole dancing thing a little bit more. I want to hear more about Tony. I want to hear about your family. Your what, what's going you like? Um, oh, so much. Um, we didn't even talk about that, right? Um, um, so there's like. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, um, so it's like, how are in, wow, that, that went by so fast. Um, I know. Now you guys got to uh, have me back on because I was like, I didn't even know it was going to go by that fast. We talked about poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> your your, I know. your family, the witnesses. It just, it did, I know. And this is, this is the beauty of an organic conversation. It just unfolds. Now I really wish it was ending COVID wasn't happening, and we're going out for drinks after, like, a lot. Exactly. Right? right? Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, uh, post-COVID, we'll be definitely getting together in real, in 3D versus 2D. Um, Crushes are equal. I now have crushes on both of you as well now. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. But now Emily's going to be hoping that all the the crazy... Sounds that come from the computer are, are actually Don Reed's voice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> heavy breathing, like, please. Heavy, yeah, all of that. <laughs> Some so, dance moves. <laughs> but, but we so appreciate you taking the time talking with us. We will have you back on. I know um, uh, on on the on the podcast as often as oh you gosh. are available to um, be on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time talking to us and becoming like our BFF. Thank you guys so Definitely. much. Really, really. Thank yeah. You so much. Absolutely. And, uh, we will Cheers. remain in touch. Cheers. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.